0: like this isn't it great when you are driving somewhere and you have step-by-step directions i mean these directions are incredible i mean boy every landmarks pointed out here on this map and everything and you get to your destination and you feel great there is no guessing about it you didn't get lost or anything like that or how about ladies when you have a recipe and it's so simple to follow clear and simple step-by-step directions. There's no guesswork or anything in it. Amen? Well, the Word of God is our roadmap or our recipe for a blessed and victorious life. Now, today you're probably going to hear me. I'm hammering some of the same points and I just can't seem to get off of it. You know, Kenneth Hagin, when he pastored, he told a story. He said, you know, he said, the Lord had me preach on love about three months. And finally, he said, one of my, the board members of the church came to me and said, hey, when are you going to go preach, start, you know, move on to the next subject? He said, when you follow what I'm preaching. <laughs> so in other words, uh, the Holy Ghost, we're just being obedient to the Holy Spirit, right? And, and if we are saying some of the, some of the same things, well, like I said, we ought not to say, you know, oh, I heard that before I heard, no, take it in again Amen? Because the Holy Ghost has purpose in it. Amen? So, uh, you know, many people think that all they need is faith to be blessed. All they need is faith to live a victorious life on this earth. But, you know, that is only one part of the recipe. One direction on the map. So, and it's not the complete part. Amen? It'd be foolish to complete one step of a recipe and say, hey, I'm all done right? Same thing is true with God's Word. It doesn't make much sense when we as Christians meet one of the requirements and then ignore the other commandments in the Bible. Remember this, God's commandments are not suggestions. God expects His people to obey His commandments. He won't bend His rules on Judgment Day for one person. Amen? Amen? And you, if you, you, I said that on the radio broadcast today, so if you listen to that, you probably heard that. Now, um, what humans call, what we call partial obedience is really just a fancy word for disobedience in God's book. Partial obedience is always disobedience in God's eyes. And like I just said, as Keith Moore said, if it's not quite, it's not right. Amen? But the wonderful thing about God is this. Not only does he give you the commands and expects you to obey them as a Christian, but he has given us the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us, to empower us to carry out those commandments. Amen? Amen. Romans 8.26 says this. It says, likewise the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, also helps our infirmities. And then it goes on to say, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit helps us. Okay. So in the context there, it's talking about prayer. But it says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, plural, more than one infirmity. Now, what does the word infirmity mean there? It simply means this, our inability to produce results. That's what infirmities mean. That's not talking about sickness and disease in that verse. In that scripture, the con- infirmities means our inability as humans to produce results. And that's why you need God to put you over in life. Amen? And so that's why you can't expect an unbeliever to live a holy life and a righteous life. They can't until they repent of their sin, make Jesus Christ Lord of their life, and become born again. Where that sin nature can get washed out of their spirit, and the Holy Ghost comes to live inside of them, now they can live a holy life. Now they can live a righteous life. Amen? But uh, go to Romans 8, and I want to read verses 1 through 4. And I want to pull something out. By the way, the title of this message today, and you'll see why in a moment, it's called Add to Your Faith. Add to your faith. See, faith is not the only thing we need. Faith is not the only ingredient we need to be victorious on this earth. Amen? If, if you think that, you're, you're very narrow-minded and you're ignorant of the Word of God. Because there's a whole lot more than faith that we need to live a victorious life on this earth. Can you say amen? Amen. Romans 8, I'm going to start at uh, verse 1, go through 4. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, this is interesting here. People say the first part of that, and they leave off the second part of verse 1. It says, there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Great! I call myself a Christian. There's no condemnation, right? Well, what's it say? Those who uh, are not after the flesh but walk after the Spirit. Think about that. Okay? So, verse 2 goes on to say, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh infirmity, our inability to carry out the law or to be obedient without Jesus, without the Holy Ghost. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, there it is, come on now, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See, that doesn't let you off the hook. That don't let you and I off the hook from living a holy life, from living a life of obedience to God. Amen? Amen. Come on, now it's getting quiet in here. (laughs) Now, uh, as a Christian, you must understand this. We are expected to obey the Word of God. And Jesus, through His death, burial, and resurrection, made it possible for us to be obedient to the Word of God. Many Christians ignorantly say this, we are not under the law, but under grace. Well, that's a true statement, isn't it? I mean, that's in the word, right? But they say it in a way where basically to excuse themselves from obeying the word of God. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace. In other words, it's a ticket to sin. Go on out do what you want. God's grace will just cover everything, right? Well, listen to this. Not under the law? Oh, really? Look at verse 2. We as Christians are still under a law. Look at verse 2 of chapter 8 of Romans. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. We just transferred to another law. But we're still under a law. Did you catch that? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus... We have been delivered from the law of sin and death. Why? What does that mean? Because we were not able to obey the word of God apart from Jesus. That's why that law was called the law of sin and death. Because we weren't able to obey it apart from Jesus Christ. But now we're under a law called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So we still have a responsibility to live a holy and righteous life. To obey the word of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So through Jesus Christ, Christians have been freed from the power of sin and are are able to obey and uh, fulfill the law or fulfill the word of God, the requirements. Amen? See, before Jesus came to this earth, and I want to make this crystal clear. Before Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross, Verse 3 said that it was impossible for any person to obey the commandments of God. Impossible. Then your question is, well, why did God even give them then? What was the purpose in God giving us a command that we weren't even able to obey? Well, it goes on to say in Galatians that the law was our schoolmaster or our teacher pointing us to Jesus Christ. The law was put in place before Jesus came to show us our inability to produce results. Did you catch that? The law was put into place before Jesus came to show us that, hey, we can't fulfill this law. But when Jesus came, oh, he revolutionized it, and we are able now to fulfill the word of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus said this in John 15. That apart from me, you can bear no fruit. In other words, a life apart from Jesus Christ will go nowhere. Nowhere. And you're going nowhere fast if you're without Jesus this morning. Amen? You need Jesus Christ. Then someone might say, well, what does that mean then that, you know, we're not under the law but under grace? Well, if you were here when John Bevere was talking about the grace of God... The grace is not a ticket to sin. The grace of God is Him empowering you to be obedient to the Word. That's the grace. Amen. Now, I want you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Now you're gonna see where I got my title from add to your faith. I was just kind of laying a foundation there. Faith is not the only ingredient we need to add to our faith as believers. 2nd Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 12. It says, "Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God, And of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given us all things. You might want to underline that, by the way. He has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge, underline knowledge. Notice you get those things through knowledge. Knowledge of God. Knowledge of the word. The knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. "...whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And besides this," here it goes now, "...and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity or love. For, listen to this. For if these things be in you and shall abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if oh, underline this for if you do these things you shall never fall for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. See, there comes that repetition. A good teacher of the Word is going to have repetition in his teaching. He's going to go over it again, and again, and again. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Peter goes on to say, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, hey, even though these things might be a simple thing, and you might know them, I'm going to keep reminding you. I'm going to keep preaching this thing. Because what's the benefit of it? It says if you will do these things, you will never fall. How many of you would like to know you're doing something and you know that you will never fall? You're not going to fall away. You're not going to backslide. But you're going to keep moving forward in God. Amen? So I just want to briefly here, briefly, I say briefly, because I could go on these things, I mean, big time. But... I'm just going to go over these, these things that the Word talks about briefly here. Number one, add to your faith or add to your trust, add to your believing God, virtue. Now, virtue in this verse is defined as this, excellence. Virtue in this verse, you see, in, in other verses, when we're remember our healing meeting? We talked about where it says, and virtue came out of Jesus. That talks about power. But this virtue is another Greek word. It talks about excellence. Interesting, isn't it? Well, we need to be determined to live a life of excellence for God. There are too many Christians who are looking for an excuse to be lazy uh, doing God's work. Or, come on now, lazy on their secular job. Oh, I didn't get any amen out of that. Sorry about that. uh, Anyway, give your whole heart to what God has put in your hand on this earth. Your whole heart. Live an excellent spiritual life. Live an excellent natural life on this earth. Many Christians are always asking, asking this. Is it okay to see this movie? Is it okay to do this? Is it okay to drink that? You know what I'm talking about? You ever have that where Christians come up to you and ask you that? And I say, man, look, if you even have to ask about it, you know you're being pricked in your conscience. So don't do it. If it's that much on the fence and you have to question it, don't go there. If it's not quite, it's not right. Remember that. Hallelujah. Now, you know, it's interesting, about movies or something, they say, well, there isn't that much swearing in it. They only take the Lord's name in vain twice, right? Or, you know, there's not much nudity in that movie. No, there's not many uh, uh, much talk about witchcraft or anything like that in it, Right? If it's not quite, it's not right. Quit trying to find an excuse to sin. Live an excellent life for God. Live a holy life for God on this earth. Amen? Hallelujah. Settle it in your heart today that you're not going to get sucked into the world system. Or the world's way of doing things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. What does that mean? God's righteousness. God's way of doing things. How many of you know there's a world's way of doing things and then there's a God's way? (laughs) Amen? Go the God way. Hallelujah. Now, add to virtue knowledge. Once you have settled it in your heart that you're gonna live a life of excellence for God, now you need to know, uh, you need to find out what God requires of us, right? What He requires of Christians. We need knowledge from the Bible, knowledge from the Word of God about that. Amen? You see, we can bypass so many hardships, so many trials in our life, if we would just start opening the Bible and start reading it. Amen? I mean, there's so many warnings in there, so many warning signs that God gives us. But we don't know them, and we just keep on walking. You know, it's like walking over a bridge. You know, you're, you're approaching a bridge, and, and there's a sign there that says, hey, the bridge is out. But who cares what the sign says? We just walk over it, and you fall in. Amen? You fall into the pit. And that's why Ecclesiastes says, he that digs a pit shall fall into it. Amen? Hallelujah. But listen, God is so merciful to us that he has revealed to mankind things that we need to avoid and attributes we need to possess. See, he doesn't expect us to live this life blindly. Amen? He's given us boundaries and guidelines it's not a blind, it's not blind faith. Amen? You ever heard that blind faith? It's kind of an oxymoron. Kind of like silent thunder. Doesn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? No, faith can see. Faith has uh, vision. How you like that? Faith has vision. Amen? Hallelujah. Making up my own words as I go. Hallelujah. Now, in fact, God is so good that he has revealed to us in his word the strategies and characteristics of our enemy. Isn't that awesome? God's so merciful. He exposes Satan and evil spirits of what their tactic is to try to pull us away from Christ. Amen? But listen to this now. How valuable would it be for our military? If our military had a book, a book was dropped on them, and it showed every every date of when a terrorist was planning to attack a certain location. It showed every location of every terrorist. Osama bin Laden, no problem. It's right here in the book. Here he is. Let's go get him. Amen? Amen. Wouldn't that be great for our military to possess such a book? Oh, come on, people. We're in the army of God, and we have a book that gives us everything we need right here for a victorious life. To be victorious in this battle. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, add to your knowledge temperance. Add to your knowledge temperance. What's that mean? Temperance is defined as simply self-control. No, the devil didn't make you do it. God wouldn't command us Christians to have self-control if it were not possible. You understand what I'm saying? We are able to control ourselves. The only control the devil has in your life is what you give him. No, we need to control our emotions. We need to control our actions. We need to control the words that are coming out of our mouth. We need to control our thought life. Remember last week I talked about the thought life? So the Word of God says in Ephesians don't give place to the devil, have self control. You can do it. Just don't go walking in, uh, the Bible says don't give occasion to your flesh. Come on, we know what our weaknesses are. Don't put yourself in a position to fall. Stay away from it. Avoid it like the plague. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now add to your temperance or add to your self-control, patience. We need, and I talked about this last week a little, we need to let God's plan for our life play out. We need to let it play out. Amen? When it's time to act, the Holy Spirit will put that unction in you with peace attached to it remember I talked about how being led by the Spirit of God if it's the Holy Ghost there's going to be a peace involved with it and you're just going to know and that sounds kind of vague to say you're just going to know but you know I found out there's some spiritual things you can't really describe that good you're just going to know if it's the Holy Ghost you're going to know amen and uh, but if you don't have that unction if you don't have that peace don't proceed with that plan you're running you're crossing a bridge that's not there Hallelujah. And remember I said in a previous message, I said anxiety, fear, and worry are synonyms for unbelief. Patience really ties in closely with self-control because it takes self-control to have patience, right? It takes discipline to have patience. When you're waiting for God on something, oh my, it it can be a very tough time, can't it? But we need to have self-control and we need to have patience. Um. Now, I want to bring this up, too. The Holy Spirit really quickened this to me. This is another thing neat about the Word of God. Now, follow me on this. When God gives a command in the Bible, He's giving that command because He knows there's going to be a temptation to do the opposite thing. Now, think, follow me on this now. And uh, the only explanation I could give for this or, or illustration is this. In orientation at Ramah Bible Training Center, You know, first year, you have a week-long orientation. And when you're in there, and the dean of the school came up there, and he was going over the school handbook with all the rules in it. And he said, you know, he said a lot of these rules were put in place because someone crossed the line, and we had to make a new rule. Well, in God's foreknowledge, he knew what was, where, the, where Satan was going to try to put a temptation on us. He knew what our flesh was going to be tempted to do, so he had to put that command and warn us. Because he knew there would be a temptation to go against that. Right. Think about that. In God's foreknowledge and wisdom, he gave us those commands because he knew it would be a temptation. He was giving us a clue of how Satan's going to tempt your flesh. Amen? Amen. See, you got to settle this in your heart, that God wants you and I to live a blessed and happy life on this earth. And that's why he's given us the instruction booklet, the Word of God, the Bible. Amen? But the responsibility rests on you and I whether we are going to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's not a stretch to be obedient to God. Now, why would he put reasonable? It's your, in Romans 12.1, why would he say it's your reasonable service? Because it's not hard if you're living a life according to the Spirit of God. Because he's given you the Holy Spirit. That's why he says it's your reasonable service. He doesn't say, hey, this is going to be a real hard thing. Well, get out of the flesh and start living your life according to the Spirit. And it's reasonable to be obedient to God. Because he's given us everything we need. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, so we need to add patience to our foundation. And there will be times where your patience will demonstrate your faith in God's ability to work out a situation in your life. Think about it. Add to your patience godliness. Now, this was interesting. When I went and looked in my study books here, godliness was defined as this, piety or religious. I was like, all right, Lord. Lord. What in the world's piety mean then? So I had to look that up. Piety is defined as this: to express in a practical way your dut- dutifulness. Now, in other words, put action to what you say. In other words, practice what you preach. Think about it. Go to James 1:26. Godliness Practice what you preach. Hallelujah. All right, James one twenty six through twenty seven. It says this. It says if any man among you or any person among you seems to be religious, notice it says seem, <laughs> seem to be religious. Because there are a lot of people who have good talk, but they don't have a good walk. Amen. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain or worthless. Now look at verse 27 now. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to, come on, a lot of people leave this out, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. You know, a lot of people read that verse and they say, see, yeah, go out, visit the fatherless, the widows. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But what's the last part? Keep yourself unspotted from the world. How many of you know there's a world's way, there's God's way, like I said. Now, but anyways, so you can talk all you want. But if you're not extending your hand to those in need as a Christian, your religion or your words are worthless to God. Think about it. Let me remind you again that the Word of God says that faith without works is dead. Works is the proof of your faith towards God. Do you really believe what the Bible says? God says, prove it by your actions. Amen. Amen. Next. Add to godliness brotherly kindness. Now, this is really interesting to me. You think, I, the first thing that came to me was, you know, add brotherly kindness. And then the last one says, add to brotherly kindness love. Well, you would think that they would be really connected, right? No, there's a difference. Make sure your motive is pure. You know, treat... Make sure your attitude is right when you're helping people. Uh, a Christian can do something nice for a person, yet their attitude is terrible. Amen? And notice it says brotherly kindness. How, treat that person like as if they're your own family. Think about it. Now, you know, I mean, you, you wouldn't let your own family suffer, would you? Well, if you do, you need to get saved. If you do, you need to get a devil casted out of you, amen? Because that's not normal. But anyways, we need to have brotherly kindness. Now, let me go on to this one here. Add to brotherly kindness charity or love it's talking about. And they separ- the, the word of God separates it. Do you know, love, this is talking about agape love, now, that word, Greek word agape might not mean anything but to you, but there's two different words for love. I forgot the other one. We did a study on it before. But this agape love is talking about the God kind of love. In other words, your feelings for an individual do not interfere with this kind of love. This means that you provide what that person needs, whether you, you like them or not. And I talked about it last week. It's the same thing. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, we didn't have to do all these good works to initiate Jesus coming to die for us, right? We were sinners. We were yet in our sins. We were cursing God, but he still sent his son Jesus. Now, that's agape love because it's what we needed. The world says, I'll do this for you if you do this for me, right? But agape love says, no, I don't care how you're treating me. I'm still going to do it for you because you need this. I'm going to provide this need for you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Feelings has nothing to do with this kind of love. Hallelujah. It's dealing with their best interest in store. Now, uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 8. I just want to break these down again here as I close. It says, For if these things be in you, And abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it's saying this. These attributes that were just listed out, Jesus Christ had all of them. And when you act on these attributes, you're walking on this earth as Jesus walked. Think about it. It says you won't be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want more knowledge about Jesus? Live a life according to these attributes and and the Holy Spirit will reveal to you how Jesus walked on this earth. Amen? Doing these things will give you more knowledge and understanding of how Jesus lived on this earth. uh, Verse 9. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You know, in that one verse, it's talking about sowing and reaping. How many of you know there's a law of sowing and reaping? What you sow, you're going to reap. Well, it's saying here that if you lack these attributes as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, it says that you're blind and can't see afar off. In other words, you're blind because you cannot see that you're sowing and you're going to reap something if you walk in these attributes. All you're seeing is the here and now, how this person's treating me, how this person's spitting on me. No, the Bible says if you lack these things as a Christian, you're blind and you can't see afar off. Because if you, if you have spiritual vision, you would know if you're walking as the word of God tells you to walk here, you're going to see results in your life. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, verse 10. It says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence, be careful to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. If you put these attributes into action in your life, you will have a strong foundation and will never fall away from the faith. Amen. Show me a backslidden Christian, I'll show you someone who who is lacking these, these attributes. Now it's interesting how That verse is here, it says you will never fall if you do these things. It's in the context of these four verses here. I mean, it doesn't say if you do the whole, no, it says these attributes as a Christian. Boy, that's pretty simplified, isn't it? Right there, in, in those four or five verses there. Now, of course, be a doer of the word. When you're doing these, you're being a doer of the word. Amen? Now, Verse 12, as I mentioned to you, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in them. Constantly remind yourself of these attributes. You know, it would probably do you some good. Every morning, before before you go to work or leave the house, read these scriptures to remind yourself the attributes that we need to have as Christians. Amen? Let's stand in this place this morning. Hallelujah. Boy, it is hot in this place, isn't it? Hallelujah. Glory to God. But Father, even though it's hot in this place, we know it is hotter in hell. And we can praise you and thank you because we've been delivered from the pits of hell through your son, Jesus Christ. And maybe there's an individual here today who has never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of their life. If you have never made him Lord of your life, today is this day of salvation. You don't know how many more days, how many hours, how many breaths you have left on this earth. Friend, don't leave this earth without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to come up to this altar, and I want to pray with you to receive him as Lord and Savior. Number two, maybe you've been a Christian for a while. But you've fallen away, you've backslidden You've lacked these attributes and you know it You know it, you're guilty as charged But today you want to rededicate your life to the Lord I want you to come to this altar And I want to pray with you To have a new beginning with God this morning Number three If you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism To be a witness, a powerful witness for Jesus Jesus said but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. It is a second experience. Don't cheat yourself out of a blessing that God's willing to give. If someone was going to come and, and get, hand over the keys to their Corvette today, would you turn it down? No. Well, how much more the Holy Ghost? Receive him today. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit back to baptism, come on down to this altar. And I want to lay hands on you and pray for you to receive him. And last of all, if you need a physical healing in your body, you need a miracle in your life, you just need someone to come in agreement with you, I want you to come down to this altar. And other than that, I'm going to leave the altar open if you want to come up and seek the Lord for yourself. But I am going to ask right now for Brother Earl. Earl, come on. Can you come to the altar? Earl, uh, and Penny, Penny's downstairs with, with her child in the nursery. Their, uh, their friend called them last week. And her friend, the friend was listening to our radio broadcast where I was talking about healing. And the friend called Penny and said, Penny, you need to get Earl. You need to have Pastor James pray over Earl. Brother Earl here has cancer. You've been in hospice, haven't you? Hospice, the doctors have given up on him. And we're gonna pray over him today. And I want this place to be filled so filled with faith. Amen. God is a good God. And let's stand in faith. Stretch your hands toward Earl right now. And if I could have someone here to just stand behind him, hallelujah. Father God, thank you so much for Earl's life. Father God, we know that you've given him life. We know in you there's no darkness at all. And it's the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus, you come to give life and to give it more abundantly. And Father, the doctor's report, that evil report that said there's no hope, Father, you say there is hope. Hallelujah. And Jesus took stripes upon his back for Earl's healing father you're not mad at Earl you didn't do this to him this is the enemy trying to come in to steal kill and destroy and right now I anoint Earl in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ right now and I speak to this cancer cancer I command you to come out in the name of Jesus Father, I loose your healing anointing through Earl right now. I command every cancer cell in Earl's body to die and dissolve now in Jesus' mighty name. And I speak life into this body. I command this body to live in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, you said they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Satan, you take your hands off of this man's physical body. You loose him now in Jesus' mighty name. And I command every part of this body to be strengthened, be healed. I command Earl's immune system to be strengthened in Jesus' name. And I declare right now in the name of Jesus Christ for him to live a strong, healthy, and full life on this earth. In the name of Jesus Christ. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Right now, every part. And Lord, I pray you would strengthen him emotionally, Lord God. I destroy every word curse that's been spoken over him by the doctors. Every word curse that's been spoken over him by any person. I destroy those word curses. And I declare blessing over his life. Blessing over his physical body right now in Jesus' mighty name. Strength. Strength. You every part of this body be strengthened right now in Jesus' mighty name. Be strengthened, be healed in Jesus' mighty name. I plead the blood of Jesus over every part right now. I command new and healthy cells to be created in this body now in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing right now. That your word has gone forth. Your word has gone forth. Hallelujah, brother Scott. If you could maybe help him back to us, I know it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, just take a seat, take a nice. Hallelujah. Anybody else need a healing? Oh, Penny, you want prayer for a little boy? What's stretch your hands. What's his name again? Stretch your hands toward Dakota. He has some brain problems here. In the name of Jesus, I command every part of this brain to be healed in Jesus' name. I command every infirmity to come out in Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, your creative power right now flowing upon this brain and body, that every part would be made whole, healed in the name of Jesus. That he would live a full, healthy, and normal life. In Jesus' mighty name. Every thought process be normal now. Every nerve be healed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else need prayer this morning? Well, everybody, be blessed. Hallelujah. Come on back. Invite as many people as you can to this healing meeting, July 8th. Just go out in faith and add to your faith. Amen. God bless you. Go get, go get some air conditioning.